Welcome to the By the Hood podcast. Before we jump into this episode, just wanted to make you aware that on our website, bythehood.com, we have a free webinar on an intro to the stock market. So please go check it out. Just go to bythehood.com and you'll get the free intro to the stock market webinar. Take it easy and enjoy this episode. What's up, people? Welcome to this episode of the Buy the Hood podcast or webcast because I don't know how you're consuming this content. I'm your host as always. My name is Jimmy. And as we start off every show, that's with gratitude. Just want to say thank you to anyone who supports everything we got going on or anything we got going on. Special shout out to all the students from Buy the Hood University as well as the youth from the Buy the Hood ownership camp. I got my partner in crime back in the building with me. Core, what's up, good brother? What it is, though, what's really good? Every day above ground is a good day, so let's go get it. Absolutely. And as you know, our platform was designed to highlight brothers and sisters who are doing amazing work, putting out positive energy, building businesses and just like, you know, um, helping our community by, by, by teaching and putting positive energy out there. We got our brother who's actually been on a podcast before, but we wanted him to come back and talk about his, uh, you know, most recent journey and also some of the things that he's got going on. This brother is a master in the field of trading. I'm a master of marketing. Um, just an overall solid dude, man. We got our brother Diamond Dave in the building. What's up, Diamond Dave? What's going on, y'all, man? I really appreciate being here. What's going on, everybody about the hood? Absolutely, man. On? Listen, man. Dave, man, um, you have taken off on YouTube recently, right? So I definitely want to get you. I want to talk about that before we start talking about these markets and what's going on. Okay. Um, the growth of your channel. You've seen tremendous growth on your YouTube channel, man. Tell us about that. How did you uh go about you know starting your channel and then your channel taking off the way it did? So, I mean, the biggest thing about me getting the growth that I got, and I, I would tell everybody, was just consistency, right? So one of the things that I, I've struggled with before is that I started the YouTube channel and I wouldn't stick with it. And then I would, you know, get back to it a little bit later and do some things that wouldn't stick with it. So most, the, one of the most important things was consistency. So for, I want to say 2021 year, uh, every Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday, I did at least a, one live stream. You Normally that live stream lasted approximately 45 minutes to an hour. That's one of the things that allowed me to build my channel, right? So I want to say the most important thing was a consistency. Second most important thing was a really good partnership. So I was able to develop a partnership. And I know y'all know it because I believe she's been on y'all channel called Erica Williams. Uh, oh. I think it's the smartphone classy climb. Yeah. And she allowed me to uh, come on her channel, same way I'm doing here, give a lot of value to her audience. And because her audience was in line with what I was talking about, which was economics, business, how to get money out of the markets, how to be more financially successful. I was able to piggyback some of her audience to my channel. And then one thing about YouTube is once you start getting a, a certain amount of viewership, you start getting a certain amount of views, people start selecting your videos, they start putting you inside the streams. And that's pretty much how I built it. But I want to really encourage people. The most important thing was the consistency. For a whole year, every Tuesday, every Thursday, and every Saturday, I did at least a one-hour live stream. Mm. And I just stayed consistent with that and doing that over and over and over again because I really believe that I was going to be successful on YouTube and I just had to build my audience and build my name up just through a lot of consistency. Man, shout out to Erica too. Erica's yeah, amazing. Man. Yeah, sure. so we, yeah, she's been on here. We've been on her platform, but shout out to her because she does amazing work. Um, the question I have for you, um, we were talking a little bit about this before we came on, is how you favor YouTube as a platform. There's a lot of platforms out here. Yeah. A lot of social media platforms, a lot of uh, broadcast platforms. What is it about YouTube you like? Uh, what I liked about YouTube and I found out was that the audience to me was a lot more receptive to what I was talking about. And I had an easier time reaching them. I used to do a lot of uh, content on Facebook. And, you know, Facebook, the way the algorithm works, it really doesn't promote your videos and your feeds. You're going to have 5,000 friends. Less than 10% of that's going to actually see your video. And it's because Facebook really wants you to sell ads. YouTube is still a platform at the current time where you can build things up organically, right? If you can get the views, you can build up organically. You're not just depending upon running a lot of paid media to get your message out in front of people. So that's one of the reasons why I found that YouTube was going to be a lot more uh, I wouldn't know, I would say encouraging to me or a lot more beneficial to me than Facebook. It was because of how the algorithm works and also because of the audience there. Facebook does really good for running ads to get people to go to e-commerce to buy stuff. But what I found is that for me being a content creator and a course seller, it was not as a great environment for me to try to organically build my audience and drive sales doing that. Yeah. And you know, what's interesting as a consumer, um, I'm way bigger YouTube content consumer than I am anything else. One of the reasons is um, it's on a TV, right? There's a YouTube yeah, ad yeah. right on the TV. And it's like, 
I tell Corey all the time, like I watch YouTube more than I watch TV. I'm on YouTube all day long. Like I feel all day. Those folks be like, yo, this TV show. I'm like, I don't know about that, but I can tell you about such and such channel. Like, because think about it, everything from finance, the things I'm interested in, finance, tech, all that stuff, the crazy conspiracy videos. I'm in all that too. <laughs> all that all that stuff is on YouTube in abundance, right? Yeah. So um, yeah, so it's an amazing platform. And it's great to see you build your platform out like that, man, because even some of your folks have come over our channel, like yo, Dave sent me. I told Corey yeah. one time, I don't know if you mentioned this or something, but we got like our whole comment section, like, yo, Dave sent me, Dave sent me. I was like, okay, Dave has a real community that he's built over there. So that's kind of dope to see. That's love though. You know what I mean? Like when when you can help somebody else build their channel, like somebody helps you build your channel yeah. the same way. You know what I mean? So that's that's dope. And two, YouTube, speaking on YouTube, just the, the, the way their algos work and all that stuff. Because so many kids watch YouTube and it's not really like they don't buy nothing. Kids don't have the money to buy anything, but they watch a lot of YouTube. And so they want to make sure that the people who are content creators still get paid. So I don't see them changing that that dynamic a lot. Right. Because Facebook is for an older crowd because it came out, you know, 15, 20 years ago where YouTube has been out for a while, but the way they do their albums is a little bit different because their their audience skews a lot younger. Yeah, you know and I mean because my kids my kids don't watch TV at all. My kids can't tell you about no show, but they can tell you about the the you know the dude who killed two thousand people on 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 a on a PV, you know a first person shooter game, or yeah. they can tell you about the Roblox dude, or they can or you know my my five year old can tell you about the little boy who who um sells the toys on youtube like the little spider-man boy or whatever his name is okay. so i watch this i watch that stuff because my kids watch that stuff because i want to know what my kids are watching so, Dave, so we, have, we have camps and we teach the youth one of the things we'll ask them um is about their favorite tv show or youtube channel and then that's one question it's not 100 of the time it's a youtube channel yeah and the other question we always ask them is um <clears throat> what's their favorite social site so we'll ask okay. them both, both of those questions. And it's always interesting because it's always, you know, a YouTube channel, never a TV show. And, and I would say at this TikTok point, or IG. Yeah, TikTok, and at this point, TikTok is probably 90%. It's probably 90% TikTok, 5%. You, you know what's crazy? If they recognize YouTube as a as a social media platform, they might say YouTube, but they, I don't even think they recognize it as a they as don't. A they look at it like, like they they look look at at it like they're looking at TV. Yeah. Yeah, yeah but they... But <laughs> At this point, TikTok dominates so much, it's crazy. It's like 90% of the answers. You'll get like maybe 5 6% Instagram, a couple percent Snapchat. And But what the funniest thing about that is, is we talk about these different platforms. So we'll always ask them, like, what about Facebook? Y'all don't like Facebook? And they look at us like we're uh, crazy. Yeah, like, yeah. we got three heads. But yeah. then the funniest thing is when you tell them that, you know, Facebook owns Instagram, a lot of them don't even know that. They're like, oh, because they love IG, but not Facebook. It's, just, it's a weird dynamic there. Yeah. But anyway, man, yeah, so it's, it's, it's great to see your success. Um on uh youtube but some of the things that you talk about teaching you are talking about economics and business and things of that nature so we got to talk about this though what's going on um your overall opinion on what's going on in the market you know um uh whiteboard jerome spoke yesterday tank everything and i want to preface the the conversation by saying this and i've said this what you hear what you're not here diamond dave is the greatest trader i know when it comes to um, running puts and I've, I've always said that because I've seen your analysis. I've seen some of the things you called out 100 percent of the time when you talk about a company going the other way. Like, I just wait to see what Dave says. Like, so, <laughs> but, but with that being said, though, and Dave told me, I don't know if you remember this. You told me one time you was like, most of these companies are run terribly. You was like, it's more bad companies than good companies. Yeah, it is. It clicked, it clicked to me. I'm like, not wrong. Yeah, when you start looking at the numbers. Like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, not wrong. Yeah. But with that being yeah. said, though, I want to get your uh, thoughts. Um, and feelings um, and overall sentiment on the market in general, where we're headed, um, because some people believe that we have a lot of pain that we're getting ready to face. So I just want to get your opinion on it. What do you think about what's going on in the overall market? Um, and you were talking about, I watched Jerome Powell speak and I saw the market sell off yesterday. Um, I do think that we could potentially be going into like a bearish cycle, but I still want to kind of wait and see because I believe that there's a lot of conflict, what I would call conflicting forces going on right now. Um, we're in a political cycle and we know that these people that are that are kind of responsible for situations politically on a national level, they don't want the economy to be too bad. 
uh, we also have a lot of people that are involved in the market that make their money. They make the most amount of money when the market is going up because that's the best way they look good to their clientele and to their people that they do business with. And they don't want the market to really be selling off too aggressively because it doesn't make them look good. You know, we also have the Federal Reserve that is trying to figure out how to deal with inflation. Uh, and what they're trying to do is stop a lot of growth. And as a result, by them stopping the growth, it's going to contract our market. It's going to cause the market to sell off. Um, we want to try to figure out if it does sell off, what point do we get to to where the kind of the captains of industry and a lot of these top CEOs start complaining about the fact that this market is contracting so uh, aggressively or it's contracted down so far. And I'm thinking that's around where we were at right before we sold off, before we went into the pandemic. Mm -hmm. So those are the things that we got to look at. We've been seeing a gradual sell off. But what I tell people to do is that if you can, if all the people that are watching this, go get the, uh, the spy and just go plot it out from January of 2020 to January 2021. Just put a 50 day moving average. And if you see how high all the spy was above those 50 day moving averages, you understand that those prices were not sustainable because what we're telling people is that you're going to keep paying way, way higher than the 50 day average for this particular price. And as we keep moving out farther in the future, that 50 point 50 day moving average keeps getting higher and higher. But we keep expecting to pay way, way over that. Mm -hmm. So we knew that the market was going to contract because of that. Right now, where we're currently at before Friday, we're pretty much right at that 50 day moving average. So then the question is, where does the market go to where it starts to look inexpensive again? Because literally for the past year, year and a half, the market was really, really overpriced. But because of monetary policy, people will are willing to pay it because I can get money at such a low cost of capital, get a return from it through these particular growth companies. So it's a good scenario. Once they thought the capital was going to get constrained, all of a sudden the market got too expensive. So I'm still bearish, but I'm still trend based. So if it's okay. trending bullish, then I'm bullish. But my overall analysis probably over the next six months is probably still going to be bearish. Okay. All right. So yeah. man, a lot, lot of great, lot of great points there. Right. So, um, and let's, let's break those down just a little bit. I think one of the biggest things that's, uh, that to me, at least is coming from right now is people getting a opportunity, especially a lot of people that just got in the market over the last decade or so yeah. to see the influence of politics and how all this stuff is connected. Right. Because some people like want to just ignore politics and say, I'm just only into the, the finance and economics. I don't even care about the politics, but you can't do that. Yeah. These things are intertwined. They're 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 incestuous. Like they 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 work hand in hand. So I think that from an educational standpoint, I think that's amazing to see. Now, speaking of the spy, um, we talked about this a little bit yesterday, Core. Like. I'm interested to see, like, long term, what is that floor? Like what if I was because I'm looking at I'm, I'm, Dave is a lot more. uh optimistic <laughs> than I am. I man, listen, I think once they start to do, when the Fed starts to do what they say they're going to do yeah. next month, I think the market is going to take it a crack. And okay. I mean, a gigantic dump. And it's because the Fed has been propping this market up for 18 months. Yeah, The Fed has been propping this market. It's not been people. It's yeah. not been corporations. It's the Fed that's been propping up this market when the fed starts to unwind all of those positions that they got in to prop up the market so that the whole economy didn't collapse right and they're still raising interest rates to, to stop interest that means you're taking the money out of the market and you're yeah. dumping all of this product into the market yeah at a lower rate so people are not even going to be able to buy it because the money is going to cost them more to get it if you're raising rates and putting yeah. stuff back into the market that means it's more expensive to buy on the on the uh on the um and you know industry side and on the retail side you you constricting our pocketbooks so we can't even buy it on the retail side yeah so now to me that's a disaster situation you know what i mean like as they unwind the um as they start to unwind those positions and so i'm like i'm looking back to when I'm looking back to like 2017, 2000, I'm looking at the highs of 2017, 2018, more than the highs of 2020. Okay. Because I'm now Jerome is, is, is so far has done what he said, but I, I didn't know that or didn't think that he had like a what's the former Fed chair, Paul Volcker, Paul okay. Volcker, who, who raised the, the rates so high. But that was going into that's like late seventies, early eighties. Late seventies, yeah. Some yeah, inflation was like way out of control. Yeah, 
But to me, the difference between then and now is like the politics and speaking of social media, like the impact that that can have with politicians. I, right? Like the election's coming up. Let me, let me tell you this. The, the, the politics of the Fed doesn't ha- the, the Fed has different politics than our country does. Because what most people don't understand is that the Fed is not a federal, it's not federal. And the, it's all right, not- all right. Hold that right there, that thought, right? I understand that, right? So so they're not federal, right? How many people know that? So their not decisions, yeah. their decisions, people will hold the elected officials accountable exactly. for their decisions, not knowing, right? So that that's the so to me this will be this interesting time to see that that um yeah, that they, work hand hand. They, they work hand in hand with federal you know policymakers but they are not federal they are beholden to the world economy not the American economy yeah. the Fed is part of the IMF the Fed is part of a world system. It is not part of the United, like our money is not controlled by the United States. Our currency is not controlled by this country. We have zero control of our money supply. The Fed 100% controls our money supply. And that's the International yeah. Monetary Fund, because for, yeah. for, for the folks that yeah. may not like. Yeah. So, but what people don't understand is when the Fed says they're going to do something, the politicians really can't do anything. They, well, they, they have no I'm, I'm not saying they can't, hear me out though. I'm, I'm just saying they're going to be held accountable from the everyday, everyday working folk. In terms of what's happening, whether it's there oh, for sure. or not, yeah. right? And so, because of that, again, this is all politics. This is why it's even more politics than than, than um economics. But, uh, but, Dave, but, but, let me, but, but let me ask you a question. So, we're operating on the assumption that you know what he talked about on Friday that they go through with it. What they are doing is that they're they're drawing it out. Mm-hmm. So, I would have preferred to them just come out the gate with a one percent raise and then say we're well, going to raise it again by one percent on the next meeting and just get it over with. Yeah, what they're doing is they're drawing it out so it don't just tank the market. Mm-hmm. But my question is, okay, and Corey, hundred percent correct. They're really not beholden to the U.S. economic system. They operated. They playing a different game yes. amongst their people. But the question is, do they go that far, or do they say, you know what? Once we get to a certain level, and they talked about it, if they come out and say we're gonna pause it, the market's gonna perceive that as bullish. Yeah, and sure. two, if they come out and say, well, we're gonna reverse it, which they said they're not gonna do. The market is definitely going to perceive that as bullish because this is something I, I learned and I learned this from studying y'all and learning what y'all talking about. Once I started studying this market long enough, I realized that this whole U.S. stock market is based on federal monetary policy. Yep. It's not based on the fact that somebody got a great idea. They're great business people. This whole thing is based on the fact that the cost of capital is cheap enough for us to promote growth. So once they pull that capital out of the market, there is no more growth. So then the question is, what are they prepared to deal with? Mm. Are we going to roll this thing back? 10 years are they going you know what i'm saying because everything that we're trying to do from an expansionary standpoint they need that low cost of capital to do it yes because if they raise the cost of capital the way i think it should be i think cost of capital should be seven or eight percent but then nobody will be able to get it a credit credit crunch things of that nature and i really think if we go into a credit crunch they're not gonna have a choice but to reverse it because we go into a credit crunch people gonna just lose their mind i just saw something that said that we um as as consumers in the country we are more debt now than ever before. Yeah, but, but people don't experience. people don't care because as long as I can get it, I'm cool. I worry about paying it off later. Yep. It's when I can't get it when they start denying me the access to these things I want. So yeah. people gonna go crazy because we addicted to these things. And I think that's what they gotta watch as they raising this cost of interest. What does it become to where the consumer can't get what they want? Because if Americans can't get what they want, they're gonna lose it. They're gonna start killing each other. Man, listen, he's gonna be talking about eat the rich. That's what's gonna happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so this is an interesting times we have. So now, Dave, um, yes, you, know, you, you have students, um, you you teach you teach options trading and things like that. You know, the highest paid part time job in the world. Tell us about um your program. So, what my program is designed to do is go after three people, right? So, and this is something that's become a lot relevant in this particular era. We're at. So, it's first the person that don't believe they make enough money working their nine to five. The second is the person that think, well, to go to make the money, I got to spend all this time in transit. I got to take a lot of time away from my family. The third is a person that doesn't like the fact that there's a cap on their income. So, you know, inflation, they're saying is 8%. It's really probably around 15 to 20%. If you start adding in gas and food and they're seeing that, well, the money I'm making is not really able to support me like I want to. We figured out how to get a solution to that by teaching people how to leverage the options market to generate more income. The goal is to get you just a $20,000 a year out of the options market. It's not all the money in the world, but it's enough to create a buffer zone 
to where now you can make different decisions and you're not as stressed out as where your money's going to come from. And we've been successful in doing that if people just stick to the program and they learn it. Because once you get into these markets, it opens up a bigger door. You start to understand a lot better how the world works. You start seeing more opportunity for yourself because you realize that this world ain't nothing but a bunch of different financial markets. But they're hidden to the average person because they're not even aware that they even exist. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good stuff. So, yeah, that's gangster. In terms, in terms of what we're uh, going into or what we're facing, how are you preparing your students for, like, you know, um, what's what's going on now? The cycles that are happening. It's like, so we was talking about what we're seeing currently now in 2021. So when we had the first, uh, the 10-year treasury, early January, February of last year, when it spiked up because people were worried flipped. about inflation. Exactly. We saw the market sell off then. I started telling my students when they reverse this monetary policy, this market's going to slam down on expectation of it. Because we know the market is, is future data. They forecast out six yep. months to a year. So we were ready for this. So a lot of people that was positioned, they made a lot of money, especially the first four to six months of this market. Then most people are going to make working all year. Because we just were short. We were short either the overall market or short companies or people knew to be short on a day-to-day basis. Mm-hmm. So what we talk about a lot, especially in our courses, we do talk a lot about federal monetary policy because I 100% believe is that the Federal Reserve is a coordinator for our economy. So mm. looking at it from a football perspective, great players don't just know their position, right? Great players just don't know the defense that they're playing in. They study the offensive coordinator so I know what they're running so then I know what position I got to be in to make a play. And that's what I try to get people to understand. Once you understand how this financial system in America actually works, who's coordinating it, and you start forecasting the behavior of that particular person and what they're going to do, you can position yourself to make moves because you know what moti- what's motivating them. And that's something that Camp talked about. What is motivating the coordinator? Not what the person that's, that don't have any say-so is going to do, yada, 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 what this person on the street is going to do. The person that's coordinating this whole economic system, what's their motivation and what do we believe they're going to do? And then how do we position ourselves to take advantage of that based on what they're motivated to do? Man, some gems right there, man. I mean, you can make a lot of money off of those that last minute and a half right there. Yeah. If you understand what he just said, you can make a ton of money off that last minute and a half that Dave just, the like that right there is it, right there. The motivation of the coordinator, yeah. I mean, that's absolutely true, man. That's, I, had to, I had to stop real quick and think about what he said, man. That's a gem right there. The motivation of the coordinator. Gym. Yeah, um, so this this would be interesting times that, 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 you know, we have approaching, man. But like you said, if you're prepared for it, then you can always be on uh, the positive side in terms of your revenue because you can make money in both markets. It doesn't have to always be going one way, man. All right. So, um, what are some of the things that you're looking to do in the future with, um, you know, highest paid part-time job in the world or, or just for the content you're creating, what does the uh, future look like for you, Diamond What's some of the things you're thinking about now? Um, what we may look to do is maybe eventually start doing live events. I think I can get a lot of more exposure and be able to reach a lot more people if I go live. Uh, and so we just got to try to figure out how to organize that and do it in a way in which is going to be safe, in which people can be comfortable, in which people can really get the experience that they're looking for. I want to make sure people get more than what they pay for if they actually come see me. And then just figure out, to me personally, the, bet, the way I can best help people is to get a better understanding of the market, become a better trader. So when I'm teaching people, I'm making sure that I'm in a position to be able to help them get to where they want to go because I'm continuing to expand my knowledge and expand my education. So it's not necessarily based on going wider, but going a lot deeper in what I understand about how the market actually constructs. Because what I realized is once I got into this market is when you understand how it's structured, you kind of understand how things work as opposed to the details of it. Mm -hmm. The details are important, but the structure of the market, and I found this out, and that's why I've been really successful about running puts, is once I understand how the market was structured, I knew what people were going to do. That's why I tell people. It's easier to be bearish in a bullish market because of the structure of the market. Mm. It's hard to be bearish when everybody's bearish. When everybody's really enthusiastic and you're for it, it's easier to be bearish because things scare people a lot easier. If everybody's scared, it's harder to scare them. So once I understood the structure of the market and what was motivating people to actually put their money in different places, it became a lot easier for me to make money. And so then I now can find a lot more easier opportunity. Man, you know, it's funny, like um, just having conversations with you, yeah. right? It, it, not even just that, like you can see the growth in the way Dave is even approaching the market, man. So it comes off. I know for a fact, just from this conversation that you put in hours and hours of study. 
Yeah. Um, you know, just hearing the conversation is different talking to you about the market now, say versus a couple of years ago. Okay. What are some of the things that you um is it a book or a video? Is it anything? What are some of the things you could recommend? I don't want you to give all way all your secret sauce, but what are some of the things that you've read or studied to help you get this better understanding of where you are now? I mean, I would tell people just to go get you can go to Amazon and go get just college level books on macro microeconomics. Okay. Because because we're operating under the belief that the Federal Reserve is what's coordinating this whole economy, then we need to understand macro micro economic policy. And one thing that we saw over the past two years, but really three years, maybe even longer, is America has a love affair because of our socialization with CEOs and the corporation. Mm -hmm. Because they were hiding from the public is that it's the monetary policy that's allowing this to exist. It's not because Anglo-Saxons are just more smarter than everybody else. It's not because is that they've created an economic system that generates growth for them because of their monetary policy. So then once you understand that it's the monetary policy that's driving all the growth, then you just study the monetary policy. So the reason why they're so when you look at people like Kathy Wood, she's on YouTube begging for the Federal Reserve to reverse its policy. I thought she was a genius investor <laughs> because her, her fund doesn't work without easy monetary policy. Mm -hmm. So then I know that's like me saying, well, I'm playing camp and basketball. And I say, well, camp really can't be all that. I'm looking at the film. He's just getting all the calls. Mm -hmm. So we know that a lot of superstars get a lot of calls. That's why you see like superstars will never file out. It's impossible to play basketball without filing people. But you yeah. see superstars never file out. So we know there's a system that's allowing them to be superstars. You know what's crazy so, about that? I, I was wondering, I'm wondering about like that whole idea. Well, something you just said is resonated with me. You talked about our love affair with CEOs. So yeah. right now they got like the Little League World Series going on. And it did, you know, so part of what they do is they talk about the stories outside of just baseball. Yeah, exactly. And they ask him like, you know, who's your favorite rapper or who's your favorite actor? Who's your favorite like um, baseball player, football player? One of the things they started asking him this year is who's your favorite CEO? Exactly. I had to rewind it. Like most of them, most of them said Elon Musk, right? Exactly. So you know, uh, Elon Musk, Elon Musk. But I'm like, the fact that they're asking them who's their favorite CEO when I was not ten years old, tells you what I'm exactly. yeah, hold on. I'm like, I don't even know if I had a favorite CEO. Back exactly. Then. Yeah, know? I didn't even know who the CEO was. I mean, CEO of what? Exactly. <laughs> like I was when I was yeah. 18, 17, 19, but 20. That's CEO of who? Huh? That's part of pop culture now. So what you're saying, like, just just it really clicked when you just said that. Um, and then you know, Dave is always taking a deeper level. Why are they doing that? Why are they making us, you know, make these people celebrities? Because what's going on behind that? And that's kind of what you're talking about, right? Because these yeah. people really don't have any control. Yeah, they don't. Yeah. I mean, they're not as they're not as they're, we're not we're not taking away from their work. No, not at all. We're supposed not to believe that these people are superhumans. But if I can create a country and then create monetary policy that makes it easier for businesses to be successful, then that's why businesses are successful. So, because if they was to take their their model and move to Uganda, could they figure it out? Because mm. where would they get the cap? Where how would they get capitalized? So right. we got to realize that it's the monetary policy that's driving this market. So we saw that once they started to take the liquidity out of the market, which is we're having a liquidity crunch. Once he starts pulling liquidity out of the market by raising the rate, everybody's complaining about their business. My question is that if you run such a good business, how come you can't get it out of your profit? But they can't because the profits aren't there. So mm -hmm. there's, a, there's a few companies that do have the ability to run themselves well, even no matter what the well, economy is. Exactly. Is. That was my next question, Corey. I was about to say, Dave, do you see any companies that do have that ability? But we know it was it's the old school companies. It's the old but school. But see, companies. we was we was taught it was about the growth, 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 and tech, 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 tech. Yeah. Then when you look at their balance sheet, we see that these companies don't make any money. Smoking mirrors. They, they burn a lot of money. They get like we talked, and I talked about this on your channel before. I'm going to I'm going to Philly and I'm telling somebody, buy this product for me for ten dollars. But I give you twelve dollars to buy it, so I'm losing two dollars on every sale. But I'm driving a lot of revenue because I'm literally giving you two dollars just to buy my product. Mm -hmm. So we see products like DoorDash, we see companies like Uber, we see companies like Lyft. They're not profitable, and they don't have a path to profitability. But as long as I can keep getting cheap capital to be invested into my company, I got a company. I can run a company if I do that. <laughs> so we see that yeah. this is the issue: is that we were taught that these were the companies that were going to be the companies of the future. And to look away from the old school value companies, the companies that generate a lot of value, generate a lot of real earnings yeah. because they wanted to expand this thing. So any expansionary monetary policy is really based on smoke and mirrors. Right. right. 
especially when you're talking about 30, 40, 50 times growth companies that are doing 300% returns in a year, people got to be crazy to think this stuff is, is, is actually sustainable. It's not. It's, it's unsustainable. <laughs> it's unsustainable. It's not sustainable. But people were deluded to believe that the CEO is so brilliant, he can keep this thing going. No, he can't. He's dependent upon a banker to keep giving him capital to keep this going. Once the banker says no, it's over with. Man, we always talk about that, how the banks, man, they... Well, we know they, the banks running this whole thing. They run the whole thing. They running this whole thing. We know that. But see, 99% of people don't understand that. Like, most people think their politicians are more powerful than they actually are, right? 99. Yeah. And so I mean, the thing about that is when a country doesn't control its money, it doesn't control anything. It does. Right? And so this is why... So I'm just going to give a little short history lesson. This is why... Our country fought for so long to not be part of the international pool of money, right? They they, they fought so hard to have the not to have the Federal Reserve be the the thing that runs our country's monetary policy. Because <clears throat> a lot of people will say that Abraham Lincoln was killed because of what happened with the Civil War, and they and, you know people think he was a traitor. I don't think that at all. I think Abraham Lincoln was killed because he would not would not let the Federal Reserve control America's money. He put greenbacks into the United States and the Federal Reserve was unable to get control of financial policy here in the United States. And I think that's the thing that got him killed. Hey, I don't have any proof of that. Hey, Corey, I told, I, told, I, told you, I told you I love my conspiracy theory videos, right? This is not. This is not. No, no, I'm just saying there's a video out there on YouTube where they talk about there were two presidents that tried to uh, do exactly what you said. Yeah, yeah. One was Lincoln and one was Kennedy. Yep. And y'all can do the, y'all can, y'all can see the correlation. You can do the math on that. I'm not saying it's true. I'm just saying it's a video. Do the math. <laughs> do, do the, it was three presidents, really. And he got the other president got shot in the head, too. And who, which one is Who's the other president that got Cleveland? Oh, Grover, well, well, that's not what killed him, though. He died later because of the... Uh, yeah, but th- what I'm saying is... They anyway, tried but anyway, yeah, yeah, but anyway, shot. yeah. But <laughs> three look, presidents? They three right, for so, three, bro. <laughs> and again, we're not saying that's true. I'm just telling you that there's 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 a content out there on that. That's what I'll say. But Dave, man, there's a, a lot of game you're giving out right now. You said macroeconomics and microeconomics textbooks. You picked them up. Right on Amazon. You, you get on Amazon, them. get them used. You ain't got to pay. You ain't got to be brand new for them. And yeah. just start understanding if you were to govern macroeconomic policy, what decisions would you make? Because at the end of the day, Jerome Powell, his job is still to be preside over macroeconomic issues. Mm-hmm. Right. Whether we form against them, like he's still that's still his job. He, you know, the job of the Fed, what they tell us is inflation and unemployment. So he still has to manage this issue. The average person has never said, if I was in a situation, I have to make macroeconomic decisions. What would I do? So start reading about what those particular decisions could be and how this is planned out. Because at the end of the day, and I talk about this in my dark persuasion, somebody has to run the world. The world cannot run itself. Yes. Because somebody got to make these decisions for millions of people. It's just the people that are making the decisions and what decisions are they making. But we can't leave people to do this stuff because they'll, they'll destroy this thing. They'll de- turn this thing over with. Let me ask you this question. When you first got into trading, um, I'm just, you know, maybe you did or maybe you did You didn't have this level of understanding of how that was what was behind everything. What brought you to that point? Like, what is it you saw or read that made you say, hold on, let me take a step back. This is what's really going on. Okay, so my formal education is in economics. Ah. But I didn't I didn't connect it to the market because I wasn't looking at the market in that okay. perspective. Okay. So my formula. So then once I started to realize that you got, a, you know, I didn't really know nothing about Federal Reserve Monetary Policy in the Central Bank. Okay. So I knew about I knew about macroeconomics. But when you go to school to learn it, they don't really teach you about how the Federal Reserve is connected to it. Once you start learning that and you start realizing, and I started, this is what I started seeing. I'm looking at these companies that everybody's telling me is the best thing since sliced bread, but they're not profitable. I'm a person that's running a business. So every month I'm worried about profit. Yep. I don't have the capital in my business so I can run at a negative over an extended period of time. Mm-hmm. So I'm looking at this other business and I'm saying to myself, they keep getting infused with capital. They're running at a negative but they're driving more revenue, but there's no profitability. And they're telling me that this thing is going to work. And I said, well, the only reason they're able to do that is because of they have access to capital because of liquidity. So I realized that this is what's running this whole system. Now, if you look at other businesses, the Coca-Colas, uh, the Pepsi Coles, a lot of the construction firms, they don't run that type of business model. No. But because they're considered value companies. But we got into a growth phase, I want to say post, really post 07, 08. Mm-hmm. 
that when we got into a growth cycle because of quantitative easing, the Fed threw so much money into this economy and cost of capital was so cheap between the banks, it was easy to get access to capital. They threw it behind these companies that are unprofitable just to try to, I think it's called alpha. We just try to try to get a return on your stock price. And that just became how everybody invested. And we see that that's not sustainable because once the money gets pulled out of the system, everybody starts complaining. My question is that if you're running such a good business, why do you need cheap capital to run it? And then when do I get access to cheap capital? I can't go and get money as a half of a percent. I got to get a higher rate to do any kind of business project. Even if I can get approved, I got to put collateral up, things of this nature. So we see that we got a segment of the population that because of social conditioning, because of access, things of that nature, they have opportunities to get access to large pools of capital to run businesses. And that allows them to become successful. And the average consumer, the average person in this country don't get access to that. Man, let's see. Have you Man. ever read um, The Creature from Jekyll Island? Have not yep. read it. You should read yeah. that book. Okay, I'll read it. That book. Get that book. That, okay. we, we, we recommend two books around this. The, one is The Creature from Jekyll Island because that shows you how the Fed came here to the United States. Okay. That book tells you about the story of how the Fed got here. And the other one is Confessions of an Economic Hitman. Okay, I read that. Yeah, it's a yeah. third one I want to throw in there too that I'm reading now. It's called um, "A History of Central Banking and the Enslavement of Mankind." I've, okay, I've, I've watched that. I mean, I've read that also. All right, yeah, now I read that. about that book though, you may have to go to eBay to find it because that thing um, they took it yeah. off. <laughs> it's, okay. one, it's one of them where they took yeah. it off Amazon. EBay. Yeah, they clapped that. Yeah. It was like, whoa, whoa, get that off them shelves. Okay, but um, a lot of what you're the reason we bring that up is because a lot of what you're talking about. Is talked about in those books, but it gives you the historical context okay. of, of how you know we became yeah, how, of how these that, things came about. Yeah, how it got that way. And you know, it, a lot of it goes to the one statement you made, somebody has to run this, right? Yeah. And to be honest, like you know, the bankers back in the day, the reason they had to step in and run this because the powers that be were running it into the ground. Yeah. I mean, so the way they looked at it is all right, we gotta set this thing up where you know we got control. Um, not saying it was the appropriate thing or the right thing to do, all right? You know, I'm not giving the opinion one way or the other, but that's what the history tells you. I mean, Man. the reason we came off the gold standard is because of these things, right? It's because the gold standard really uh, gave countries, it, it gave them like a, a budget, right? Yeah. Because you, if you had a gold standard, right, you couldn't spend past your budget. Yeah. And so what countries wanted, and what banks were able to provide was an ability with the, the Federal Reserve banking system gave countries was unlimited power to go to war, to go to do all of these things. And the international banking system didn't care. They would fund both sides of the war. They didn't care because in the end, you were indebted to the to the to the new international banking system that was created. It's almost like uh, when you watch Game of Thrones and they got the Iron Bank, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And they fund in both sides, like exactly. They, they don't care which side wins. We fund in both sides, but it's um, it's 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 interesting, like you know, talking about because history comes into play. History comes into play with this, but to me, it's very simple. Um, Corey always says, "People going people," right? And I say that's relevant to this conversation because the average person doesn't have control over their spending, right? Yeah. So when you tell someone you have the ability to print, what do you think they're going to do, right? If I, I can, I could either be responsible and make decisions that may be painful to some, or I could just print more. Yeah. Right. And then everybody's happy until this time, time, to, you know, that, that eventually you got that Viper. Yeah. Yeah. But, but I might not be here. I kick exactly. that down again, leave exactly. that on somebody else. Yeah. Kick right? that down the road. Yeah. So it kind of makes sense how things get the way they are. Right. When you just think about it from that perspective, these are humans making decisions. And I think that's why it's important what you said. We tend to think that some of these people are superheroes because they're on TV and they get the pub and the writing and all that. They're humans. Yeah, they're humans. Humans make, humans make human decisions. Yep. Right? All of us are motivated by greed, fear, you know, the same things. So, man, this has been a great conversation, man. Core, before we get out of here, you got any questions for our brother, man? Uh, When you going to pull up on us again, Dave, man? Like, you you be out here doing the, the absolute most, man. And every time you come on here, you, you got something expanded from 
um that you did before, or you got something new going on completely. Dave be studying, bro. I'm telling you, you Dave, Dave, has been exponential. Yeah, you put the yeah, work man. in. Like the thing about it is, when you were, you know, when when I was introduced to you, when we were getting started, and we were talking about Bitcoin and and all of the things and surrounding that and, and building businesses, we built our businesses side by side over the last few years. Yeah. Um, you were, you know, you were very, very um, market minded. And now you're more into a different, you're into a different phase of it. So, you know what I mean? Like, you know, what's, what's next? Like, how do you, how do you expand it further from here? I mean, it's, it's the same thing. Cause the goal is to me to get the message out and to get more people to see the power of it. It's going to take the marketing. Mm-hmm. So they got it. The goal is to try to figure out how to market the people in a way that's, that's genuine to me. And that's honest, but it can get it out to more people. Cause we know there's a lot of people in this particular space throwing a lot of things at people to try to get them into the space. But the problem is they're not getting the proper education and then they not having a good result. And then they get scared out of the market. So always be able to fall back on what I learned as a marketer to try to get more people and persuade more people to come in so they can get exposed to us. So they can try to get the life that they want by leveraging the markets. So we're going to always, I'm going to always use uh, my education from a comprehensive standpoint to do it. So the goal is just to keep trying to grow, keep trying to expand. And that's really it. And then try to figure out how can I get this message out to more people um, to where they understand I can get the life I want by using the markets. Cause I think that's what we haven't really been taught. You know, I can get the life I want by leveraging the financial markets, whether it's the local real estate market, the crypto market, the stock market, whatever market, because we're in a market all the time. Mm-hmm. We know a lot of our people is brought over here as a result of market forces. So we yep. got to really understand that this stuff has been going on a long time and we've been taught to just ignore it while it's going on all around us and we can't benefit from it. Because I don't believe I can stop any of these people from doing what they're doing. I don't have the power. I ain't got the muscle. I don't have the military, none of that. But how can I get a better life by participating in the part that I don't disagree with so I can get the life that I want for me and my group as opposed to just being against it, but then I'm just doing bad all the time. Yeah. I got a question for you, man. As someone who's into marketing, but also teaching solid, great information, what's your thought on like a lot of this nonsense is out here where you got people literally trying to teach people to scam and, and do all these things within the financial education space and are literally going on camera telling people to commit crimes. Like what's your thought on this? Well, I mean, it's, it's unfortunate because a lot of people going to go to jail. But the issue is that people that know what time it is know that. So, like, I was in Tampa when that uh that chick that hit, they claimed she hit for, like, $20 million on yeah. tax fraud. I was in Tampa when that was going on. Well, why was everybody in Tampa doing that? Because there was no more dope game. So, mm. a lot of our people are under financial desperation. They're looking for something. They're trying to figure out how to make money. The issue with all this credit stuff is we know that that, that space is dominated by Eastern Europeans. And then mm-hmm. that information filters to the West. A lot of the people that you see on YouTube, no disrespect to them, but they low level. And they don't really know how to really get money without somebody else giving them the assets and you know giving them the information so they can bust down cars, things of that nature. So they, in my opinion, they figured the easier market was to go on YouTube with it. And it's very unfortunate because you create a transcript that they're going to use to lock you up. Yeah. But it, it's, it's a symptom of our financial desperation. We don't have it. We don't know how to get it. We haven't been educated how to get it. The majority of people that's involved in crime are desperate. They're not even in it for the money. They don't have nothing going. So they're just trying to figure something out. And so it's that desperation that leads to the bad decisions. So to me, the way we can solve it is to try to get people, and this is something I learned from y'all, is to give them different options. Also, something y'all do, teaching the youth, Mm -hmm. teaching young people about how to be successful in these areas so they don't get in a bad situation as an adult where they got to make these decisions. Because I don't want nobody to feel like I got to risk going to federal prison by doing this credit stuff on YouTube because you're creating a transcript. By you being on YouTube talking about this, you're creating a transcript that they're going to use to incarcerate you down the line. So I don't want you to feel like you got to do that. But a lot of people, because of the economic situation, they feel like they got to do that. I don't look down on them because I come from people hustling. Yep. I just don't want you to get caught in it because you're going to do federal prison time for this stuff. I know the young girl uh we were in atlanta she and her boyfriend was doing the green dot he caught 10 years she caught three years in the fed mm. and now you got it on your record you want to try to go to school get financial aid you're gonna get cut out from that so it just created a lot of situations but like i said is that we have not taught people how to really get money out of this economy without going to prison for it so that's what we got to start trying to do and one thing i like about what i do is that we can make as much money as we want ain't nobody gonna come lock us up 
That's fact. Where when I was coming up, we thought we I was 100% convinced the only way I was going to get what I wanted was have to break a lot of laws. You couldn't have told me nothing else. So once I started to deprogram myself from believing that, I saw there was different opportunities. But who I was at 21 years old, you could not have told me the only way I'm going to get what I want, I'm going to have to break every law on the book. I got to duck the police. I got to worry about the feds. I got to accept doing prison time. That's just what I thought because I didn't know nobody that was getting a lot of money that wasn't a professional athlete or an entertainer. So you couldn't have told me that it was another way to get it. So I, we got a large percent of our population to me that's still under that same mindset. Man, man, man. We're powerful words right there, good brother. Yeah, um, and you're absolutely right. That's why it's more work to do, man. Yeah. I just want to say thank you for sharing your time with us and dropping all these jewels, man, because I'm getting ready to hit Amazon up. Um, get me a couple macroeconomics books. Like, you know, yeah, I, studied, they, they I, I, I studied it in college too, but I'm about to have a refresher, man, because, yeah. um, you know, Man, and they got online good. stuff, they got interactive stuff, but like they're very inexpensive to get that education. I want to promote, encourage people to just get the book, read it, start understanding. You start seeing and this is something that Jerome Powell talked about before we go. He said that our policies have not filtered through the economy yet. So he's at the top of the situation. He's understanding as we start to unwind this balance sheet, it's going to take time for this stuff to filter. So we may not even see the results of this from six months out to a year. Yeah. He also talked about that people are going to be unemployed. And I think that's something that a lot of people don't realize to raise and to, to fight the inflation rate. We have to unemploy people. So I think this is why we need to start looking at this particular space. So when something happens to you in your local area, it didn't come out of nowhere. It's from policy set by bankers on top of a hill somewhere. And I was just rolling down the mountain and hitting you. That's the funk all the way down. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And Corey, something you said earlier, too, about um, the, the bankers and how and how they run everything. And the people think the politicians are the power. I saw someone on Twitter had did some sort of like study when they looked at the public records about the campaign financing. And it was over like 90, 95% of like our um, elected officials got money from a banker. Yep. <laughs> so even on that, even on that end where you say, you know, these people don't have the power, like, well, that, that's who they're getting their funding from anyway. Yeah. And you so, know, and, and we got a political party. They in wall street is like this. Yeah. They yeah. like this. I mean, they gave Obama, they helped him become the highly highest uh, donated political candidate in the history of the United States. Mm -hmm. So I knew when he got in office what he was going to do. Yep. Because they put him in position. He was going to take care of the people exactly. that took care of him. Exactly. They put him in position. Man, it's a book on that too. It's called Secret Empires. And the Secret Empires, um, they talk about all of the different uh, you know, things, uh, how the people in, at the highest levels of office look out for those that put him there. And he wasn't exempt from that either. It, yeah. it's, the thing I like about that book is it's not you know, um, they just looking at conservatives or just looking at liberals. Everybody, everybody, yeah. everybody. They say everybody, everybody can get it, and they actually <laughs> you know, back it up with some factual things. And they talk about like what he did for the bankers in terms of uh, those private colleges. Like he helped them run the bag up. Yeah. But anyway, but this is you know what we have in common that most people don't have in common. What's up? We read. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> most yeah, people definitely. don't. Read. They don't yeah. have time to read. Most people don't have time to read because they're working eight hours a day. They got three kids. They got they you know they work eight hours a day. They be, they travel two hours a day or three yeah. hours a day to get back and forth from work. Then they got to spend time with the their kids. And if they got a loved one, they got to try to spend some time with that loved one too. Then they want to entertain themselves. They got the music. They got the YouTube. By the time all of that happened, it's time to start that whole process yeah. all over that's, again. That's yeah. What the, the hell? You got time to read anything? Yeah. That's part of the system too. You keep people, exactly. keep people in that cycle. They don't have yep. time to figure that. That's that is, right. That is what made the pandemic so crazy. People start figuring out some things, right? Yeah, because they got a chance to sit down. Like yeah, they were sitting down. Yeah, they were sitting at home. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they keep you on that wheel, and and that's part of it's how you govern people. You know, and we talk about like Maslow's hierarchy of needs. You keep people at that lower level. They don't have time to politically organize. They don't have time to sit around and have the conversations that we have. You got people right now literally working. And when they get off work, they got to wake up. They got to hit. You know, you keep them and they got to do that just to sustain themselves. Yeah. So it's just it's unfortunate that the people that are in power have decided to do people like this. But I don't know what's motivating that. I don't want to get into that. But it's just unfortunate that they've decided that the world got to look this way. Yeah, man. And it's funny. Someone asked me, like, uh, they were talking about their job and how their job is making them come back in the office. Yeah. They said they're making them come back in, although their data shows that productivity is up with people working yeah. from home. And they're like, what are they making me come back for? I said, that's two things, right? It's the control aspect. control. And also the commercial real estate industry. Yeah. What's going to happen to commercial real estate if all these buildings are sitting empty? 
right? Yep. So yep. Always got to look for, uh, uh, and that's one thing I learned from Dave too. Got to follow that money. Why is this happening? Not not yeah. just that it's happening, but why is this happening? Let's take let's peel the onion back and figure out what's really going on here. Anyway, man, Dave, man, listen, man, we we gotta say we appreciate you, brother, man. Anytime we chop it up with you, we have great conversations, and this is another one. Um, you dropped so many gems, man. I don't even know where to start, man. But I just want to say thank you, man. Much continued success, and you know we look forward to um, you know, building with you again in the future, good brother. We appreciate you. Appreciate, man. Y'all having you, man. Y'all be easy, like I say. I'll, I'll catch y'all Friday show, so I'm gonna keep catching that. And I appreciate what y'all doing because I don't think y'all realize that a lot of people look at what y'all do as an example of how to conduct yourself. And I learned a lot about how to conduct myself on the internet by what y'all do. Cause I used to be type person. As soon as you say something to me, I don't like it's F you, F you everything. <laughs> That's how I was. So I learned a lot by watching y'all. Okay. I don't need to do that. Cause it's not going to allow me to be effective. Cause like I said, I came from going back and forth with people. And so this mm-hmm. stuff on the internet was weird to me. Yeah, yeah. So I so said, okay. Don't I, say us. Say Jim because you. Say Jim. I, had, I had to calm Corey down too. I had to calm <laughs> yeah. Say Jim. Yeah. No, that, 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 just, that comes from life and understanding because I, yeah. I want to clap at people too. But then I realized, I'm like, okay, well. But how does that really, exactly. how effective is that? Exactly. Yeah. So what I'm trying to do, don't fall in line with that no more. Yeah. And I learned a lot. I can be a lot more effective by not doing that because I wasn't as effective by doing that. Because I, yeah. I don't know how to do no internet stuff. It's like, that's what we're going to do. That's what we're going to do. Yeah. And so I had to realize is that I don't need to get involved in that. Just stay focused on what I'm trying to do. And I learned a lot of that, but watch y'all just the consistency the of what yeah. y'all are doing. And that's what I really learned. So I want to really encourage you because you never know who watching you. Mm-hmm. And so that's the thing is that y'all are inspiring a lot of people just to stay consistent and keep doing what they're doing and say, okay, well, that's not what they're doing. So I'm not, fit. I don't see them doing that. So I'm not going to do it too. Man, appreciate it. And that's that, really man. how I learned as opposed to really I'm being influenced that. by people that's just trying to keep controversy and stuff going. Yeah. And then yeah. I'm thinking that's what I need to do. Listen, man, I appreciate yeah. you saying that, man. But just to give you your flowers right back, brother, like your growth, watching your growth has been tremendous and it's inspiring. And, and I'm, I just want to say I'm proud of you, man, because like the just your level of conversation is on a different level than most at this point. So you're sure. and, and, and I can see the fact that you study. And to me, that's what's most impressive. That's why his right. business is booming because he put the time in yeah, definitely. To, the, to the things that yeah. meant to, to the things that matter. Yeah, because you know I mean? to Dave's point, some people try to list like you know chase clicks and controversy. Dave is studying and then bringing that information to the people. So yeah. I, I think that's the way to go, man. Long term, that's that's a very sustainable and a, a business with a solid foundation, man. So congratulations, Dave. Um, we appreciate you, man. For all of our audience out there, I'm gonna put um. Diamond Dave's um, YouTube channel, as well as the social media links within the show notes, as well as the description. Make sure you follow him, ask some questions, see what he's got going on, but stay in tune with everything that Diamond Dave has going on. And listen, anybody from Diamond Dave's channel is watching this, listen, we appreciate you too, because we know you got a community over there, man. Yeah, yeah. we appreciate y'all as well. Diamond Dave, much love as always, man. And to our audience, as we always say, it's not about how much money you make, it's about how much you keep. Game elevates. We'll see you guys in our next episode. Peace.